for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Today we're continuing our series on Philippians, um, on setting a kingdom culture here at Gateway. When you try and be systematic, as Richard said the other week, in preaching systematically through Philippians with your topic for the day, it's difficult because what we're talking about in any given week, it can be it's the Philippians' letter, Paul's letter to this church in Philippi, in ancient Roman Empire. It's peppered with the whole subject of encouragement and honour. I was speaking to, well, Bridget was speaking to me this morning and she said, well, when you preach, it's like you, there's no straight line. Bridget, she's a sign language, she's signing it now. But you get to the point at the end. I said, yes, like an Exocet missile. It goes all over and bang. And that's where we're going today because we'll be going, touching different aspects of honour and encouragement. But bang, we want to get there in the end, don't we? Because yes. we want to be an even more encouraging church, don't we? Yes. Thank you. Some of you are convinced, that's wonderful. (laughs) Now in Philippians, Paul um, displays such a culture of honour in his letter in order that the church might catch it. And our passion as a leadership here that we catch this more than ever before because I've got this dream, and I do dream about it, that if this church could be the most encouraging church family there is, what a fabulous place it would be. It would be like heaven on earth, wouldn't it? Because you know that heaven's only going to be an encouraging place. There's going to be no criticism, no miserableness, there'll be no tears. It will just be high-fiving, great, well done, good and faithful servant stuff. I'm looking forward to that aspect of heaven. So we are really passionate as a leadership in this church to set this culture of honouring and encouragement. Do you know why? Because we all need encouragement, don't we? There is so much despair, and at some time despair will touch all our lives. And I'm so glad that God puts the lonely in families. And if it's an encouraging family, it becomes a healing family, and I love to see healing taking place in all its forms. So Paul, you see, you've just got to read Philippians, and it it, it comes through um, every chapter. In verse 2, verse 20... Paul's writing to this church and he said, I hope to send Timothy to you soon, he's, he's a young minister. I have no one like him. He had his, now this is me putting in um, brackets here. He had his weaknesses as we read other letters from Paul. He had a dodgy stomach. But, he, but that didn't, his physical ailments didn't stop Paul believing in Timothy. And he said, I'm going to send you my best. There's no one like him. I mean, what a lovely thing to say about somebody's coming. There's no one like this young man. I'm giving you the best. There's honour there, isn't it? It's just dripping with honour. And then he goes on about Aphrodite. There we go. <laughs> and um, he, he says to the church, welcome him in the Lord and honour men like him. So Paul is setting this culture of encouragement and particularly honour at the beginning of his letters. And you know, church, 
we don't just want to change the culture of this church to make it absolutely a superb culture of environment and honouring. Don't we want to take it out into the office, to our neighbours, to our families? Do you believe you can change the atmosphere in your workplace by honouring and encouraging? The scriptures say you can. You each... One of you sitting here this morning have a culture out there in your seven-day-a-week life that you can change if you introduce this divine principle of honouring and encouraging. The Bible says that we should honour all people, including those who don't deserve it or own it. That can be difficult. But I love the scriptures. Because it's God's word. The other apostle um, that, that is, uh, speaks a lot about this in the scriptures is the apostle Peter. He says in one of his epistles, honour everybody. Wow. That's a challenge, but an opportunity. Honour everybody. Love the brotherhood. That's you lot. Fear God. Honour the emperor. That means those in government. And we have to be careful, if we're going to implement that in our lives, we have to be careful how we speak, even about people in government, or um, I won't go globally across the Atlantic, but it's it's difficult, isn't it, to speak honourably about people who you think don't deserve honour. But the scripture says, honour Everybody, because there'll be an advantage in it. You will change the culture if you honour our bosses at work. Honour them. Traffic wardens. Honour them. It's a job they have to do. Even customer services on the phone. Now that's the most difficult thing in the world to honour, especially when they're from another country. And they're following a script. And they say, thank you for waiting. That is just so difficult. But the God would say to you right now, honour them. And I have failed. I want to confess to you, I have failed. Because I've, at times it gets the better of me. It has got the better of me. I know God will put me to the test on this one next week. Now I'm preaching about it. But this time, well, she'll, she don't know who I am. <laughs> She'll never know. I can, I can just afford to be let. I'm so annoyed with this. And that's wrong. I was speaking to somebody on the phone once and the, the phone operator interrupted. She, I mean, it was a long time ago when you could do this. And she says, hello, Graham. I, didn't rec- I recognise your voice. I thought, oh my word, what was I saying? It was, it was my sister. She was a, a phone operator. I didn't know that. And she, you know, so you never know, do you, when it will get back. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> But the important thing is God knows. And God would say, honour everyone, including the telesales person when they phone up and you're having tea. It's a test to be more godly. Have fun with it. Embrace it. Change the culture. Because you do not know what's happening to the person's life on the other end of that telephone. They might just be in total despair. And you're introducing God's kingdom, God's rule, in a telephone conversation of kindness, love and mercy. 
You see, Jesus was Jesus wherever he went, whoever he spoke to. He didn't have another side to him. He was consistently Jesus, full of grace and truth. That's our target. And you know, it's achievable because he lives within us. We've just got to let his kingdom flow out from our our hearts because the kingdom of God is not there or here, it's within you. You have that potential to be always like you should be and you could be. The reason we need to honour all people is that we must learn to never to let another person's character defect to control us. Danny Silk, in his excellent book, Culture of Honour, speaks a lot about this, and that's actually a phrase from his book. That I must never allow the way you conduct yourself to affect how I will conduct myself to you. You got that? I will never allow how you conduct yourself to affect the way in which I conduct myself to you. If you do that, and if I do that, it will spread a culture of honour and bring something of God into your work environment. That's what Jesus did. He came to bring the culture of heaven down into earth. And he brought hope and grace to people. We have to break through this barrier of only giving love, encouragement on, on, and honour to those who deserve it. Do you understand that? Does that register? Can I see a hand? Thank you. Some of you are perfect already, and I bless you because I want to learn to be perfect too. So tell me afterwards how you've done it. But for the rest of us, we're still trying to um, flow in this because love covers a multitude of sins. I must learn that I am not going to measure how much I am going to love you by how much you love me. That's kingdom. That that will change our town, our street, our household, our marriages, the way we bring up children. Your presence will not determine my freedom to be who I am when I'm around you. And the day... People find the perfect church becomes imperfect the moment we join it. We can't be perfect, can we? This side of glory, but we can be authentic. It's great to see you, Robin, by the way. You're the real deal. There's a huge importance of en- to encouragement. You see, because we, as Christians, we really do have an enemy, Satan... Sometimes we are our own worst enemies. But our real worst enemy is Satan. It says in the scriptures, in Revelation 12.10, I'll read it out to you. It said, I heard a a loud voice in heaven. Wow, a loud voice. Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. Hallelujah. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before God. Whether you know it or not, you're not just accusing yourself when you fail. Satan's accusing you. You're a failure. You'll never do it. You've messed up again. What's the point of carrying on? Satan is the accuser of of the brethren. And so, the antidote to that for us, 
and one another, whether it's family, children, adults, church, is the antidote to that poison is encouragement. I don't know about you, but I need encouragement. Leicester City were top of the premiership last year. I now need encouragement. (laughs) Thank you, Calvin. You were very gracious as a Chelsea supporter this morning. It starts off, how can, how can we live that sort of culture? To be truthful, it has to go back to our identity as believers. It's our identity in Christ. If you're not a Christian yet, um, it's good news for you. It really is good news. You can have a fresh identity when you give your life to Christ and he comes into your life and he, he gives you just something different. It's other than yourself... Because God comes into your life through Jesus Christ. You have God inside of you, the hope of glory. And there are some hindrances to flowing in this whole ministry of encouragement and honour. You see, we, we all get hurt, don't we? Let's be honest, we all get hurt. People hurt us, things hurt us, and it damages us on the inside. Because we're all tender flowers, really. But it's how we handle hurt determines if we can get over that hurdle or stay in that rut. Because if we don't handle hurt through the the death and the resurrection of Jesus, it can lead to offence, which in turn leads to a critical attitude, which prevents the spirit of encouragement and honouring flowing out to others. You got that? That's really important you get that. And did you know that God the Father is never critical towards you? Even when you mess up, he's not critical. You do not have a critical heavenly Father. Always, it says in the scriptures, God does not deal with us after our sins. That's grace, that's wonderful. But do you deal with others after their sins? And so we have to live out of a different spirit, the Holy Spirit, that when we get hurt, we deal with it quick. I forgive you, I forgive myself for saying that. And move on. And it it keeps me positioned to be a person of encouragement. That's what I I want to be. I love Philippians 1 verse 6 where Paul is writing to this church. He said, I am certain that God who began the good work in you, Graham, will continue his work until it's finished on that day when Christ Jesus returns. I am a work in progress. I really am a work in progress. I fail. I'm still learning what it is not to be so selfish. Friday night, we had a night in. Nice meal, bottle of wine. And it came to the choice of videos, DVDs. Nothing good on the telly. And we've got DVD cases in our DVD cabinet. And uh, I picked out one, three romantic comedies. And I thought, okay, that's a possibility, I suppose. And, and, I, and I picked out three... War films, detective films, you know, it was, it was, it was I thought, these are good, I've seen these before, but these are great. So I said to Sue, which one would you like to see? And uh, she said, well, you choose. And I said, well, I've seen all these three before, you know, the wall, the, the, um, the jewel heist and all that, Ocean's Eleven, but they're good. And I looked down, I thought, something's got to give, yeah, I've seen that. What women want, yeah, I've seen that. And... Then Hugh Grant, two weeks' notice, Sandra Bullock. I thought, oh, I'm not seeing that. I don't want to see that, really. I said, I'll watch the other one. And she, she said, well, I've not seen that before. 
I said, yeah, but this one's good. <laughs> if you've got a choice, ladies, don't give your man a choice between a rom-com, chick flick or a war film. It won't work. <laughs> Pray for your man that he'll have a revelation that he's not so selfish. And I said, okay, we'll go for two weeks' notice. And um, we watched it. And I actually quite enjoyed it, really. <laughs> Not the feminine side. I just, I loved it. And uh, Sue said to me at the end, thank you. I really enjoyed the fact that you chose something that, you know, to, that, together that, yeah, I wanted. To. And she was really encouraged by it. And I thought, wow, I didn't realise I was so selfish. Because selfishness can creep upon you so unexpectedly, can't it? And I honoured her by that decision. She's always honoured me. Because she said, well, watch, wherever you want to watch, you watch it. But actually, this was some of the promises that we made when we got married. Honour is a huge part of a successful marriage. Some find it difficult to be encouragers because of a perfectionist attitude. Now, I'm not a perfectionist. I don't have a problem with this. But some people are perfectionists. The problem is with perfectionists is that nothing's good enough anybody else does. Nobody good, does it good enough as they, as they do. And so that's a difficulty because you, you tend, a, a perfectionist will sometimes, ch- I've noticed, will choke on encouragement. They find it difficult to encourage others because it betrays their mindset. And we have to be freed from a perfectionist mentality because there's only one person who has lived this earth who is perfect. And we know his name, don't we? You've been singing his name today. Jesus. And we have no right to impose a perfection expectation on other people. You know, because Jesus himself, the perfect one, never did that. So what right have we got to do? So we have to break free from that. Maybe this morning I'm speaking to you right... Hey, Graham, you're speaking to me right now. How do you get over a perfectionist mentality? I googled on the internet and it said, um, well, if you're a perfectionist, write an email on purpose with three mistakes in it. <laughs> that's quite good, but that's not really the answer. We take it to the cross, really, don't we? And say, Holy Spirit, please change me. Please change me. And repent of a perfectionist attitude. Another thing that will stop you being an encourager is really being insecure. Jesus died to make us secure on the inside, not just to fit us for heaven. The summary of the first commandment Jesus made was, love God with all your heart, soul and mind, and love your neighbour as yourself. Wow. You mean I've got to love myself? Yeah, love yourself. How can you not love yourself if God loves you? Align yourself with him. That's about identity. God loves you. God loves you. Because he, he sent his son to die for you on the cross. That his, your sin might be placed on his shoulders and God's righteous anger may be put on Christ. That you may be free. A Christian should be the most secure person in the world. And how can we love others? How can we encourage others if we can't love or encourage ourselves? And when we know the Father's heart is for us and our true identity is in Christ, as we've been hearing this morning through the things that are shared, thank you, Chrissy, that was superb. It frees us from a perfectionist or an insecure mentality. I do commend to you freedom in Christ as a course we do it because that's what it's all about. 
Some people have been on Freedom in Christ three and four times. Wonderful. They'll be more secure than anybody else. <laughs> when you write an email, and I've seen some in my time, ask yourself, is it honouring? Is this critical? And is there any encouragement in it? Actually, between us, when we write in emails, let's save emails and texts for, if it's, mainly for encouragement. If there's stuff you need to say to people, say it to them face. It's far better. Because you catch the heart that way, don't you? You can't catch the heart of a person in a text, Facebook or email. I had a lovely quote I read this week. I don't think it's from a Christian, but it's great. One of the most profoundly human things to do to someone is to talk to them instead about them. Facing discouragement, we've got to learn, because sometimes people won't be around. We're living in an imperfect world, not a perfect church. Sometimes people won't be there to encourage you. We've got to learn, church, exactly what Paul was saying this morning when he shared. We've got to learn to encourage ourselves in God. That's number one. If we don't learn this lesson, we'll continue to struggle, because sometimes life is tough and life is lonely. John Piper said this, most of your unhappiness in life comes from the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. And as James was saying this morning, just we've we got to learn to quote back scriptures to ourselves, encourage ourselves in God. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 14, 4, sorry, chapter 4, verse 13, he said... And I best, I'm sure you know this one. I can do all things through Christ who? I can do all things through Christ who? I'm getting more like Richard Burgess every day. <laughs> Thank you. Richard's on, having a week's holiday. Pray for him and Pam. We love them so much. But do you know the verses that precede that? I have learned to be content in whatever state I am. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned to be both full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. You see, there'll be times in your life when you won't have stuff. Particularly when you're a young couple. But learn to be content. And when you're older... You'll have more stuff, but you'll ache more. <laughs> you learn to be content in all things. We've got to learn to be content in Jesus. And so Paul was speaking to himself. He was encouraging himself in God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And if there's something at the moment you are struggling with, please realise that you can get through this. You can get through it. And be content in it. And then Paul writes um, in Philippians 2 a most wonderful, if you want to turn to it, a most wonderful passage of Scripture. Theologians say it's one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture ever written. So, 
if there is any encouragement, this is verse 1 of chapter 2 of Philippians, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind. Having the joy of being of the same mind and the same love, being in full accord and in one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not on his own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, being in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow. Wow. What is Paul saying here? He said, if you're really going to set a culture of encouragement in the church at Philippi, you need to understand who's at the centre of the church at Philippi. It's not your leaders, it's Christ. And as we have his mind amongst us, it will flow out from us to others and it will change and uplift the encouraging culture even more than ever. Humility. Servant-heartedness. I just want to honour Debbie and Ashley for the work they've done behind the scenes on the website. It is superb. Thank you. Absolutely superb. One of the most encouraging things that we have witnessed in the last few weeks, um, the team at the Hub, has been there's two people who have volunteered to come in and, and clean the Hub through on a, on a Friday morning. And I said to one, why are you doing it? And, and she said, I just want to give something back. Now we've... We've, Richard and I have been cleaning the toilets for the last four years at the Hub. Most Friday mornings we do it. We haven't got a problem with it. We love to do it. But what is so encouraging is somebody else sees a need and they do it too. And it's the highlight of my Friday morning, to be quite truthful. When people come in and serve. I wonder if there were people... What does he say here? Doing nothing out of rivalry or conceit. I could do this better than him. I could do this better than her. Let, make, make way for me. I wonder if the same people will say, I could put the chairs out better than her. I could get another stage and do that, all the packing away much better. Make way. Or I could make the tea and the coffee. It's normally, well, I could speak better. You know, most probably you could. You could speak far better than me. Because I've got stutter now and again. <laughs> but I'm a work in progress and God's called me to preach this morning. That will build an encouragement culture in this church. 
when we seek to serve and be like Jesus. You see, the Son of Man came to seek, to, to serve, not to be served. I love that verse. I love this church because he, out of all the churches I've been, I've been in a few in my many years, this church is one of the most beautiful churches for serving. You serve. And that is so godlike and it encourages so many. Prophecy is given for our encouragement. Actually, the, prophecy, the word prophecy and encouragement, almost, they come from the same Greek word. So you get Barnabas, the son of encouragement, in some translations, in Acts of the Apostles, and sometimes it's Barnabas, the son of a prophecy. And I love it when we hear prophetic words, don't you? And somebody has a prophetic word for me. Danny Moore, where are you, Danny? Are you here today? Are you packing our church? Are you, is he here? He's serving? He's serving. <laughs> He's serving that as well. Danny, when Danny gives you a prophetic word, if you ever have the privilege of that, it's, it's laced with scripture. Just so good. It's so good. And I love what's happening with the children's ministry. We're teaching our children to hear God through pictures. That is great. God speaks through pictures. But if you're giving just prophetic pictures and you're not getting close to God with a, and soaking yourself in the scriptures, ultimately it will backfire on you. We've got to be a word and spirit church. Amen? I turn to Philippians. It's not bragging. And this fell out my Bible at home. <laughs> and it's a book of Philippians. It's a letter of Philippians. I've, just, I've read it out so much. It's falling to bits. You've got to do that. If you want to really grow for the long distance in the prophetic, you've got to be men and women of Scripture. There is something wrong when we would seek after the prophetic word but not yet be disciplined enough to read the Scriptures for ourselves. And thank you, Paul, for just highlighting that this morning. If you have difficulty reading, I urge you to get a download of the Bible and listen to it regularly. Not everybody can read. That's not the problem, but the problem is if you don't make the effort to get the the scriptures into you. The psalmist said, I've hid your word in my heart. In 2 Timothy, um, chapter 4, verse 13, Paul is still in prison. He wrote a a number of um, letters from prison. And cold and damp, he wrote to the Philippians from prison. And he had few friends and scant resources. He sends a word to Timothy. You can read in 2 Timothy 4.13. He says, when you come, bring the cloak that I, cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus. And also the books. And here we go, especially the parchments. He wanted the word of God. He wanted the parchments because he knew that would feed his soul, that would encourage him. He encouraged himself in God. <coughs> a Bible that's falling apart <laughs> is usually belongs to somebody who isn't. I have to remind myself of that at times. That's what Spurgeon said. And how's your Bible doing? Is it well read? Do you memorise it? 
Paul, well done for, for meditating on, the, on Proverbs. Brilliant. Nobody ever outgrows scripture. The book widens and deepens with our years. Half our fears arise from neglect of the Bible. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, that great Baptist preacher of the last century, he said this of um, John Bunyan. Do you, have you ever heard of John Bunyan? Pilgrim's Progress. He said this of John Bunyan. If you cut John Bunyan, he'd bleed scripture. <laughs> oh, to have a church like that. And the next generation coming up who know the scriptures and who can move powerfully in the prophetic, with prophetic pictures, with the scriptures, because they've heard God, because God got God's word into them. And those spirit, you see, the Holy Spirit can't really anoint what's not been put in. Yeah. On the day of Pentecost, when Peter stood up and, 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 and quoted from the, the Old Testament, I think because he'd read the Old Testament, <laughs> he understood by the Spirit what, what God was saying by the big picture. And that's why if we're going to have a culture of honour and encouragement and we're, it flows out of our identity in Christ, we need to know who we are in Christ because the truth will set you free. So what is my identity in Christ? Graham, tell me, please tell me, please remind me. Well, you're forgiven. You are forgiven. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, your sins, however many, however dark, they're forgiven. If you've not put your faith in Christ, I say put your faith in Christ, get forgiven, because we all have to stand before the judgment seat of God one day. But for those who are, are in Christ Jesus, you're forgiven and accepted. Well, if that person walked by me and didn't say hello today, well, so what? <laughs> I'm accepted. I'm loved, I am safe, he is my shepherd and I'm secure in Jesus because Jesus died for me. God so loved me that he gave Jesus. God so loved us. There's a value God places on the person next to you that is huge. And we can then begin to share what we've learnt with others in a very deep and profound way. One passage of scripture that helps to guide us in what to say to others is Isaiah 50 verse 4 and 5. Let me read it to you. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me in the morning. Sorry, he awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear as I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. I, I go on about this a lot. But God often speaks to me, the, my waking moments, between the bed and the toilet. <laughs> Don't have to be rude, but that's just the truth. He's waiting for me, and a thing will come, a verse will come into me, or a word, to, a, a word of encouragement, I'll text somebody, phone somebody, I've got to do that today. Why? What's going on here? It's because God wants to encourage somebody else, not just me. And we can be an incredible channel for the encouragement of God to one another. I love the prod of God. 
we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit if we're going to really set and grow this culture. We went to Brashov in Transylvania last week, and it was a privilege to go to Brashov, see this church. There's many churches there in Brashov. Johnny um, goes there over there. I think you're going there again soon, aren't you, Johnny? But we, we, we visited the New Frontiers Church, and uh, oh, we were profoundly moved. Um, there's a, a work there that's been done amongst a, a very needy community, um, a village, and we went to have a look at it, and it's like some rooms only have, for a family with ten children, they have one room. And the toilet and the showers are outside on a corridor communal. Then a mile away in downtown Brashoff, it's really expensive. We could not afford the clothes down in you know, it's all the big labels. And they're all living in this because it's changing Romania. And over the last years, Andy and Heather and the team from Horsham have been going there and loving that church and loving um, supporting this project. Andy Byrne from, from our church and Lacra, he married a Romanian girl. And Lacra came from this estate and she decided to spend all our spare money in feeding these children. And she started sharing them about Jesus. Nine years on, ten years on, we had the privilege of seeing that. They're doing homework clubs for the children. Second and third generation children. No, sorry, um, sorry, first generation children. So, sorry, second, second generation children. Big point. And the love and the affection and the transformation that this was giving to these children, because it's not just, we love you, we're going to serve you, we're going to get involved, we're going to care. Day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out, and it's causing transformation. Then on the Saturday, we had the privilege of going to one of these young ladies' um, flats, a studio flat in, 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 in Brashoff, who she had come from this estate... And um, it was wonderful. She's got a sofa bed in the living room, a toilet and a kitchen all in one. And she got a dozen children from this estate and she was teaching them about Jesus, how to read the Bible, how to pray, lots of games. It reminded me of Mark and Sarah, what you did with the youth. Thank you. And not only that, she wasn't doing it now. She had trained somebody else up to do it, a 17-year-old, and she was discipling the 17-year-old, she, this lady's now 27, discipling this 17-year-old to do it. There's discipleship going on. I was so encouraged. Would you like to see a picture of them? Can you put it up? There they go. That's Rosie, and that's Julia. These have encouraged me. That is the building project the Brashoff Church, New Frontiers Church, is doing. It's been going a long time because they're not a wealthy church. But they believe they've heard from God and faith with patience, they're going to inherit the promises. They've just had the roof put on now. It's going to be unique, as I understand, in, in Romania because there's no other church centre like that. They're going to have a coffee shop 
it's, it's going to be educational. I might be wrong, but I think this is going to be a real prophetic statement for other churches in Romania. I can turn the lights back on. Thank you. What I'm saying is this. I was encouraged by others' faith. And our faith will encourage others as they come here. I believe others, others are going to come here because they see what's happening. I, say, I want to be a part of that. But I just want to conclude by saying, church, you're the real deal. You are the real deal. You're not genuine fakes. You're real people. You've got a real faith in God through the good and the tough times. But God is forming something here that's precious. And it's your church. Let's together see the culture of heaven come down in increasing power that we boot criticism into touch, we boot hurt into touch, we boot disillusionment into touch and see what God's doing with us because behold, I'm doing a new thing. And hallelujah and thank you. Amen.